Welcome to Apply Filters, episode 15. I'm Pippin Williamson, your host, along with my co-host as usual, Brad Tenar. Hey, everybody. Today we're going to talk about, uh, do our usual, talk a little bit about what we've been working on recently, some of our recent projects, and then we want to jump into WordPress 3.9 beta, which was released a couple of days ago and has a couple of really cool new features as well as some new developer tools that are pretty slick. So why don't we go ahead and start with Mr. Brad. Take us away. Tell us what you've been doing recently. Oh, not much. Just kidding. Busy as hell, as usual. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've been, again, just kind of refining the renewal process because uh, my renewals are coming up uh, for MigrateDB mm-hmm. Pro. And uh, so I was working on an automatic login kind of system. I think I remember you mentioning that in a tweet or something somewhere, or maybe it was in another conversation we had. Yeah. Tell me about that. I'm intrigued. Yeah. So, well, the email, the renewal emails say, you know, renew now or whatever. And, uh, and I don't know, you get these emails for other things that you're subscribed to. And oftentimes when you click on them, you have to log in and then you don't have your password because you've forgotten it most likely unless... You're... And then you drop out of the renewal process. And, and then you give up or, you know, someone interrupts you and forget what you're doing or whatever. Um, so I'm making this super simple. Uh, uh, if you do a forget your password thing anyway, what does it do? It sends you an email, right? So there's there's no security uh, problem there if you just may, you allow them to automatically. Right, because you already have in. access to the email inbox. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. It's the theory that if a, if a hacker or somebody malicious has access to that, well, they have access to anything they want anyway. Yeah, you better. I mean, you better have you know, two-factor authentication set up on Gmail. Like, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you don't have that so, right now, I would suggest So this auto-login, is it the idea that when they go, when they click on the renewal link, it automatically logs them into their account so they can purchase easier? Exactly, yeah. And so you'll, That's you'll get... That's pretty cool. Yeah, you'll get dropped off right at the checkout, and just a couple clicks later, you can be done, so... I would be really interested to know if this is something that you could test do do some A/B testing with it, where you have say half of your users get the non-auto login URL, and the other half do, and then look and see what the difference is. Yeah, you definitely could. Um, I mean, obviously, but... it's something that you're not necessarily you <laughs> don't necessarily really want to play with because you know that you're probably putting money down the drain. But yeah. it would be really fascinating to know. It would it would be. Um... But yeah, I'm not willing to do that. <laughs> it's like it's like if you ever decide that your pile of gold is too large and you want to test it, let me know. Yeah, usually with A/B tests, you don't look at something like, uh, well, let's let's try make this worse and see right. if it's actually worse. Usually, it's like let's try make this better, but test that it's oh, actually no, I know. better. <laughs> it's, it would still be a cool a cool stat to know. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you, if you didn't have a system, uh, an auto login system, and then you implemented it, that would be great. See, great so that's what I have right now because I don't have an auto login system. So for me, it would be really useful to go ahead and implement it, and then say, okay, here's our renewal rate before. What is it now? Yeah, yeah, and you never know with these things. There could be something that you could never even imagine, and for some reason, the auto login might be worse. You know what I mean? It's so. True. That's why you do the the A/B testing, right? So, yeah. Um, Anything else you've been working on? Uh, yeah. So, uh, for MigrateDB Pro, we were looking at ways to exclude 
uh, plugins from loading on certain requests, which is oh, sounds crazy, right? <laughs> so, so the way my, so Migrate TV Pro makes AJAX requests to to accomplish the migration, right? And so each one of those AJAX requests loads like everything for you know loads WordPress core and all the plugins and your theme and everything, right? right? Which is a lot of overhead for each request. Um, especially since we're only... So is the idea to create like a, sh a short load process? Kind of. It, it's What we figured out is that we could have a must-use plugin in there that basically says we don't want to load any... Like have a list of plugins that we don't want to load. And it won't load them, but only for those requests, only for AJAX requests. So any requests to the site or anything like that, the, all the plugins still load just fine for those interesting so it's kind so of is that an mu plugin that when, when you're doing a migration you have to go and install the mu plugin and then any requests that you make after that will have those plugins excluded that's right yeah so what's going to happen is you'd be able to check off a little option and then when you do that a little pop-up will come up and saying uh, we want to automatically install this tiny mu plugin uh, and if you say okay, then it'll do that, and cancel, it won't do that. So, it's like you know, it's asking for permission to do that, and the plugin will be right. bun bundled with uh, Migrate DB Pro and stuff. So that's cool. Should be all the the reason we have to do an MU is because the plugins are loaded so early on, we have to get ahead of it. <laughs> right. And and you need a, an MU plugin to do that. Because um, MU plugins are loaded before normal plugins, right? That's right. Exactly. So that's that's how you are able to basically say we don't want to activate any of these plugins afterwards. So, right. Yeah. It was an interesting problem to look at and try to solve, though. So, so is, was the ultimate goal here just to speed up request times because of timeouts on larger sites or just try to improve performance? That's one thing. But we actually started it because we were there's. Like there's a number of plugins that are repeat offenders that keep getting causing problems for our customers. Right, blocking um, requests or modifying the the data in some way. Yeah, who and other weird things too. Doing other other strange things for sure. Yeah, so we've so this is kind of the first step. The next step will be to maintain a blacklist uh, on our end and uh, basically. Give them an alert when they have one of those plugins that are problematic, and and say this is a problem plugin. You may want to go disable this for any request to migrate DB Pro. There's two things I really like about this. Uh, number one is being proactive in looking at these are support issues that we have that are raised by customers. What can we do to the code base to help prevent these? these support issues in the future. Even though it's not necessarily a problem with your code, it's saying we're going to jump on the gun and account for these issues before they happen. Exactly. And I think that's really cool. And two is being aware of how your plugin interacts with other plugins. And whether that means you adjust your, your behavior automatically to account for those, the, those known plugins, or you just simply tell the customer, hey, we know that there's some conflicts here. This might happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I really and, like I really like both of those attitudes. Yeah. 
I mean, there's, you know, we try our best to, you know, notify the authors when and try to, you know, resolve the issues with them. Uh, but it's not Certainly. always possible to do that. So, and, and people have old versions of plugins installed and <laughs> haven't mm -hmm. updated. So there's just, yeah. we figure we, we just need another way of doing, tackling this problem. But anyways, what do you, what, cool. <clears throat> what have you been working on? Well, um, a lot of my usual, I'm doing, working on EDD version 2.0 right now, uh, which is coming along, but I've had two, two things recently that I've been doing that are kind of outside of my normal that uh, I wanted to highlight because they were kind of cool. Number one, I recently um, decided to try and install, I have, I have a big multi-site install that I, that I manage for a client. And I decided, or they decided they're gonna launch another site. But they want both sites to share the same user database so that they can have the same accounts between both sites. Right. Uh, and I've, this is something I've known that you can do in WordPress for a long time. You can there's a constant you can define in the wp-config file to set a custom table to be used as a user table and a custom table to be used as a user meta table. Right. Can you and do this? this you have can you sites. do this with non-multi-site as well? Yes. Like, right. Yeah, it works the same way for both. Um, in my case, I had both installs were going to be multi-site installs, which just complicates things a little bit more, but not too much. Mm -hmm. um, the, this, the install process is the same. So it's something that I've never tried to do, and apparently very, very few people try to do it as well. Because um, it turns out that right now, you can't do it. It's literally impossible because there's a bug in WordPress core that does not let you go through the install process for the second site if you've defined a custom user table. Huh. Which was kind of fun, uh, but turns out there's a there's a ticket in in track for it with a patch that works, and so <laughs> I spent like an hour trying to figure out why in the world doesn't this work? It seems very straightforward, and then sure enough, I look it up and there's a track ticket on it, and it's getting fixed probably for 3.9 would be my guess. But anyway, so once I got them installed, it's really cool because your your user tables are completely synced between the sites, and so you can add a user on one site, and it's automatically available on the other site as well. Um, each so does site, it does it sync? You just said the two user tables are synced, or does they're semi-synced? Oh, wait, okay. Sorry. So it doesn't just so doesn't just share user, one table. No, it does share one table. Oh, okay. So the users themselves, like the username, their their names, their email, their user meta, etc., is all synced and is identical, but their user roles are not. Ah. So the actual role of your user is set on a per site basis. Which is pretty cool. Okay, gotcha. Um, so, for this one, what we ended up having was two two network installs that share the same user base, and then we also have site admins and network admins that may or may not be the same on both sites. But you can define the role that each user has for each site separately. Wow. So there, it's a shared table, but they're still slightly separate. Right. So that was fun. It was just kind of a something I've always known that you can do, but I've never actually done it. And then once I got it up working and it works beautifully, kind of a fun little achievement. Right. Uh, the other thing that I've been working on, and this actually goes a little bit into what we were talking about a moment ago, is A-B testing. So I've recently been playing with a service called Optimizely. It's optimizely.com. Yep. And it's amazing. It's mm -hmm. absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, what they allow you to do is to set up quick and simple A-B test for pretty much anything. Uh, they have a little JavaScript snippet they give you that you embed on your site, and 
then when you, you can go and create an experiment. So let's say that I want to A-B test the color of a button on a page or the text of a button. I can simply go into a visual editor, click on my button, and say, I want to edit the HTML. And then you can create, that will be a variation. And then you can create another variation if you want. So for me, I ran a test. I have a download button on the EDD homepage. And so I wanted to do a quick test that says, OK, which one is better, download, download now, or free download? And so I created these variations. And then it automatically distributes a version to, a, to each user that comes to the site and then tracks the engagement of the user, the, the conversion rates, et cetera. And then it will give you all of the data. It's really cool. Yeah, um, I've played with it a little bit, and it is super cool. Uh, it's it's one of those ones that it's almost like unbelievable that it's so simple to yeah, do. Yeah. Um, like if you've ever tried to do A/B testing and you just and you wanted to try and and like you thought, you thought it was really hard, just go play with Optimizely. Yeah. I, so I've run it, about. Do you know how it works? Like, so it's a little JavaScript snippet. So the JavaScript mm -hmm. must like change your site, like content. Like, it does. It 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 edits the DOM live. <laughs> right. So when your page, page loads, it, your page loads like what your site, like your web server. I, I don't it. think. So. I, I mean, I guess I've never seen it happen though. Um, like I've never oh, really? seen elements change on a page. Huh. So however they've done it, it works really well. It also works flawlessly even with super aggressive caching, which is cool. Right. Um, like, what do you mean super, like... But let's say that you have really aggressive page caching. Yeah. And so you can't necessarily modify anything on the PHP level. Right. Or the server-side level because it's all page cache and doesn't ever hit the server. Right. If you have that kind of setup, their, their snippet still works perfectly yeah. because it's... Because that snippet itself is also cached into the page. Yeah, I mean, if you were going to set up an A-B test yourself, uh, just using your own homegrown solution, in that situation with a with a page cache, you'd, you'd have to use JavaScript, most likely, to show and yep. hide things. And so that's what theirs <laughs> does. They use JavaScript to do it all. Right. I was going to try setting uh, it up with Google Analytics, because they have, like, a... There's, like, an experiment. Yeah, I've seen theirs. I never played with it. Um, yeah. It's... So I ran a couple of tests. I, I've actually run, I think, five or six now. Some of some of them were interesting. Some of them gave very little insight. But I, I did have one that gave a substantial insight that I thought was really cool. I've always known, and I think anybody who's in e-commerce at least has an, a vague idea of this, that the simpler your checkout process, typically the higher your conversion rate is. But it doesn't necessarily just mean that like your checkout process in terms of the form that they have to fill out, the customers, needs to be simple. But it also means a, uh, simplifying the environment around the checkout process, so removing distractions from a page. So I ran a simple test. I want to know, does my checkout form convert better if I remove the navigation from my header? Mm -hmm. And it did. And oh, I ran it over a course of about two weeks. And so we had several thousand hits to it, and we saw a 1.4% conversion improvement. Wow, that's a huge... By removing the header. <laughs> that's, that is, in e-commerce, that is massive. In e-commerce, 1.4% is huge. And I, yeah. I ran the numbers to see, like, how much is this worth to me a year? And it was not a small number. <laughs> yeah. And to think that removing the links from my header improves my conversion rate on average by 1.4%, to me, like that's amazing. Yeah, 
as yeah, so like it immediately validated all of the ideas around A/B testing, and so now I'm. Do you have numbers fun, like, uh, for your button change? I'm curious what the the numbers were. The button that. change made a really surprising difference. Really. And I do have those numbers, and give me a second, I'll actually pull the, the actual numbers up. But so I ran three tests. I ran the the default one that we have right now. It, it just says download. Um. And so then I wanted to know what happens if I change it to download now or free download. We didn't change the color. We didn't change the position. We didn't change anything else. I was really expecting free download to be substantially better. Right. Nope. It was 12.5% worse. Really? And download now was 26.6% worse. (laughs) That is surprising. So the best option there was just download the concise, and this was this was yeah. based off of a thousand visitors hmm. interesting yeah i thought that was crazy hmm. maybe that's so, a sm- that's a little bit small that sample size but it is it is a little still. small but um i think it's i think it's large enough to to give a pretty good indication of where it was going yeah. um it started out uh before we got past about like 500 800 users uh that had viewed the experiment the numbers were much closer, and it and the bigger the the more visitors that we had, the larger the uh, the decrease went. I mean, so oh, okay. yeah, it, it got worse and worse and worse the more visitors we had. <laughs> right, so you shut it off. So it seemed like it was on a pretty clear trend. <laughs> right, right. Better shut this off. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yep. doing us any good. Yeah, so A/B testing is crazy. I I don't remember who said it, but I. Um, A-B testing makes the smartest people in the room look like idiots, and it's totally true. Oh, here's another one that I ran that was fascinating to me. It's because uh, the smartest people in the room make logical statements that are are often And sometimes logic has nothing to do with it. I know. Exactly. So I ran another one that I thought was interesting. Um, We we had a banner on our extensions page, which is kind of like our main store page, that says if you purchase three or more extensions, you will get an automatic 10% discount on your order. Mm-hmm. And I always assumed that it worked really well, mm-hmm. but I wanted to see, okay, does it actually work? Um, and so I ran it, I ran an experiment over, I think, two and a half weeks um, to see, and this, this was out of 2,500 unique visitors. And it turns out that removing the notice actually improved the engagement on the page. So in, in other words, it like improves the number of people that go and click onto one of the store items by 9% <laughs> by taking the notice off. What? What is going on? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's seems crazy. So, seems so illogical, right? It seems so backwards. Yeah. And so th- th- this is the kind of thing that I've been working on for the last three or four weeks that I've just been playing with. And so I've got a, I've got a couple that are running right now. And actually that, that three plus... The, the extensions notice with the discount is actually still running right now. And so that's where we're currently at with 2,500 unique visitors and a 10% improvement by removing it. Right. Huh. So anyway, that's what I've been doing. A-B cool. testing is awesome Yeah. and ridiculous. Yeah, I've yet to try it and, and actually follow through with it. I okay. was, uh, my, my brother had been doing some testing with their sites and he was just showing me a couple of the experiments that they did. And it was seeing a live demo of Optimizely was all I needed to immediately convince me to go purchase a paid account 
and just set something up immediately. It takes like 10 minutes to set up an experiment, yeah. and then you just let it run, and it's super simple. And in one case, it literally increased yearly revenue by thousands of dollars. 10 minutes was totally worth it. Yes, definitely. It's one of those things that I keep hearing about and people kind of droning on about, about how amazing it is, and and I never do right. anything about it. Tell you what, I challenge today or tomorrow, or sometime <laughs> yeah. before the end of the week, do the exact same experiment that I did. Sign up for Optimizely and remove the header or any other distraction that you have on your checkout process and run it for two weeks. And so next episode, when we come back, I want to know what your improvement is. Damn it, Pippin. <laughs> Fine. I'm adding it to my to-do right. list. <laughs> All right. Hey, man. You might you might find out that you literally just increased your revenue by thousands of dollars a year. Damn it, Pippin. It's crazy. Making my website better and making me more sales. <laughs> well, shall we get on to the, the actual subject for today's episode before we run out of time? Yeah, let's talk about WordPress 3.9. What uh, What's yeah. exciting? Uh, well, 3.9 was the beta, the first beta was released like two days ago, three days ago, something like that. Um, and if you've been following any of the development for WordPress 3.9, there's a bunch of really cool things that are coming. So this is the first beta, so there's still some things that are a little bit rough, but it's if you play with it, you can get a really good indication of what is going to be in for WordPress 3.9 and some of the cool features. Um, the first thing that they have on there Oh, by the way, there's two really good posts that you can read to go uh, read about what the new point three point nine features are. One of them is on WP Beginner, and the other one is at um, WordPress.org/news. Right, and you, you just go even, to WordPress.org, you can find it. You don't even have to read necessarily. There's a lot of screens screenshots in yeah. those posts. The WP Beginner one has a lot of screenshots. Yeah, it's really easy to see. Uh, so the first new feature that they've been working on. Um, there's been a lot of work with the theme customizer and live preview. And this is something that it's not, I've never really worked with the customizer a lot, but I really like it. And so what they've, at, they've added the ability to um, modify, add, remove, rearrange your widgets live. So if you have a sidebar or any widget area on your site, you can now tweak those via the customizer with a live preview uh, so that you can preview the changes to the widgets before you ever, ever actually apply them, which is really cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It works really well. Uh, the interface is pretty pretty simple and intuitive. I remember when I, used, go... when I used to do client work, like the widgets were always a sticky point for customers. They always had the hardest time trying to figure out <laughs> where where to edit this piece of the site and and to track down the widget thing and then to manage the widgets there. So, you know, it probably didn't help that it used to be a really big thing with themes to have like twenty widget areas. Yeah, which just makes things really complicated. Yeah, and it's not you know it's not necessarily that intuitive that you would look for the you know you'd have to go into the widget thing because most clients right. were looking at the page you know they'd go into the page menu and find. Well, the I page. have something that shows on my about page. Why is it not on my about page? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. So, I think I've seen plugins uh, that kind of link, that that add like a link to yeah. the widget. Or I, I've seen a couple have uh, it'll like create a widget area on your page, and I think allows you to actually like apply widgets from the page editor. Right. I'm not 
completely confident on that. I know there's ones that allow you to create widget areas that are specific to certain pages or posts, but I don't remember if they give you an editor on that edit screen as well. Hmm. Anyways, this is this is a pretty big improvement, though. It is, especially if you, if you like working with a theme customizer, which if you're a theme developer, honestly, I think you should. I know some people have mixed mixed feelings on it. Overall, I like it. Right. Cool. Um, the next thing that I, I'm really excited for, uh, and this is something that we will actually make use of here on the Apply Filters website, is the new ability to have audio and video playlist. So in WordPress 3.7, I think, uh, native audio and video players were, were added. So you could just drop an audio file into your poster page, and it would automatically con convert it to an audio player. Well, these have taken, been taken a step further, and you can now have playlists as well which is pretty cool. So if you, yeah. you can, in the same way that you create a gallery of images, you can now create a gallery of audio files, and it will be automatically displayed as a playlist, and it will show all the track names and the times and allow you to choose each one you want to play. It's yeah. pretty slick. That is pretty slick. I like the the uh, the improvement to adding sources uh, for audio and video as well. So oh, if, yeah. if you want to add like a... So, you, you know, you upload an MP3, but you also want to add an AUG Vorbis uh, audio file uh, to, you know, for those people that uh, have browser with AUG support natively, uh, mm -hmm. then you can just upload it through the, the uploader and it just kind of automatically adds in the, uh, the, the extra source tags, I guess, that it needs. So right. That's pretty cool. Which, it is. which you had to do manually, you know, before this. So what, it was still right. possible, but it, it was just... I used to, uh, when I ran... Um, so anytime... I, when I ha I have a tu uh, tutorial series on plugin development on my website called Plugin Development 101, and, I would, and they would be videos. And I used to go and record my video and then convert it into three different formats and then upload each one of those individual files to the site into a special meta field so that it would display for all browsers. And it was always a super pain in the ass. Now yeah. now I just use Vimeo, which works a million times better anyway. But the, the fact that it's now native and that you... Um, pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. The other thing is that the, the UI for creating a playlist, whether it's audio or video, is now exactly the same as creating a gallery. So it uses the really nice backbone editor. Um, and it's, yeah. it's just really slick. I like the, the so they've also added subtitles support, which is even crazier. Oh uh, yeah, that one's cool. So like your video can have subtitles. I wonder if there's a way. I, I've been wondering this actually since a while. If there's a way, like an official way, to add our transcripts to like to like the markup of the audio player, so that you know browse or uh, like web crawlers and stuff come to the site. They they kind of know that this is this is what the audio file says, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, the, like if a Google comes along, the Google bot comes along and reads our post, they don't necessarily know that the, like the bottom half of our content is like what's in that audio file, right? Um, yeah. So I, I don't see that here. <laughs> so maybe if someone out there knows the answer to that, they can add a comment to this episode. Certainly. Um, 
On a related note, uh, the Tiny MCE, aka the visual editor for images and other media, has been dramatically improved. And this one is probably my favorite enhancement to WordPress 3.9. Um, I've been watching this progress over the last two months or so. Uh, I do all of my development on a on an SVN repo of, of WordPress trunk, so I update it every couple days, and so every now and then I get to see these in-progress features. And so this one is really slick. You, you're probably familiar with, up until now, if you had inserted an image into a post or into a page, and you want to go edit that image. It's a little tedious. Um, normally what you would do is you would just like click the red cancel button or the delete button, remove the image, go modify the image uh, in an external editor uh, or make any changes, and then reinsert it. That is so much better in 3.9 now because you can now just click on the image and it immediately gives you uh, two options. Number one, it gives you the scaling controls so you can just drag an image to make it smaller or larger inside of the actual post editor without ever going to any edit screen. And then two, if you click uh, an edit button on the image, it will actually open up the media manager, the new, the backbone one, and will give you all of the abilities to edit the caption, the alternate text, change your alignment, change the URL that it's linked to, change the size, so like thumbnail, medium, full size, etc. Uh, oh, it also gives you that's a neat. new option. To, yeah, can, it's really slick. You can uh, you can also replace the image. So uh, yeah, that's one of my other favorite image. ones. Yeah, that's kind of neat. There used to be a plugin called I think it was Replace Image. And it, it did that same feature. It, oh, that's yeah. where this came from. Oh, was it would right? allow you to actually replace an image. Well, it, it actually, I think this one's a little bit different. The replace image plugin allowed you to actually replace the media file in the library itself. So if you had a new version of a, an attachment and you wanted to just swap the file out, but you didn't want the old one to still be on the server, right. but you want to use the same that plugin would allow you to do that. This one, I think it will just replace the image that's used in the post content. It won't actually replace the file itself. Okay. Hmm. But it's still really slick. Um, and then the other thing that's really cool with this is that so WordPress for a while, since 3.1, 3.2 has had the ability to actually edit the image files themselves. So crop it, scale it, rotate it, etc. And that all had used to be done via the, uh, is it attachment.php page, I think? Uh, post.php. And so it would be like a post editor, but just for the image. And now that can all happen in line in the backbone pop-up. So you never leave the post edit screen, right. which is really slick. That is cool. So, yeah. Media is getting a lot better in 3.9. Definitely. I think, I think media improvements have been a really consistent improvement over the last five or six WordPress versions. I mean, ever since they started revamping the media manager with Backbone and getting rid of Thickbox, like every major release since then has had a really nice iteration on improving, improving media. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at 3.9 right now, and I'm seeing formats in my sidebar. Is that... Where formats that... like post formats? Yeah. What, where'd that come from? Is that in 3.9? Like the standard post format option? Like, yeah, like standard the, aside the, image link? Core. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that stuff. No, those have, those have always been there. Those are since like 3. Oh, right, three, right. I'm, three, I'm, right. But you have to like add support in your theme, right? 
Right. So you may or may not see them depending on the theme that you have active. If you're looking at like 2012, 2012 has support form. Right. That must be why. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, and I was yeah I was thinking of the the new UI that they pulled out as well. Right. That, yeah. I think there's a plugin that you can still get that back, can't you? There is. I don't remember what it's called, but I've seen it. Cool. Um, what's the other, some other stuff that they've added that's new? I believe you have something coming in 3.9, right? <laughs> yeah. Tell us about it. My first, cool. my first actual contribution to WordPress core, actually. It's uh, So when uh, you make a call to add image size function, there's uh, the third parameter, I believe. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Is uh, yeah, the, the crop. Yeah, it's usually it or previously it was true or false, and that's all you could do. Um, but now you can actually add how you want it to crop automatically. So, if for example it's a headshot, you could put in an array that contained top, center, and it would crop the image top and center, and and actually you know, show the person's head rather than their chest, <laughs> which was the previous default. Right. Um, so the the default before was center, center, right? So mm-hmm. uh, so that's that's probably the most typical example of when this is going to be useful. Um, and uh, I before this, I, I had like a bunch of code that I would drop in to make this happen. So it's really awesome that now you can just, you know, just tw- fiddle with that parameter and that's it so it's really slick it's definitely one of my favorite enhancements to 3.9 simply be out of need and the extra flexibility that it gives i mean if, you, if you've ever done like a client project or any site for your own that's featured image heavy or image heavy in any way where you're showing some image size in the content you're always going to end up with some image that just doesn't quite crop right and usually you're right it's like the person's head and yeah. like the top of their head is missing or like from the neck up. And yeah. so this totally takes care of that. So I'm uh, really excited for that. Yeah. Well, for that situation, you, you can you could still use the editor, right? The the WordPress editor to to crop the uploaded image. Uh, right. To ha- how you wanted it. But but it's it's the auto-generated thumbnails that are the big one. Right. Where this really comes into play. Like, think of, let's say that you have a page on your site, a template, that's showing thumbnails from all of these different post items. Mm-hmm. And it's just showing the featured image. Those, while yes, you can use the, the manual crop features to, to set them exactly how you want, it's really tedious. Yes. If you just know that all of your images need to start from the top down, or the top right or top left, this is going to be huge for that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah, that was the common... The, the common kind of pushback against implementing this, I think, was that that why why do you need this? You know, we we've got you can you know anyone can just crop using the manual crop tool, uh, but but like you just said, if you have got two hundred images that all just need to be cropped top center, that would be way easier <laughs> if, if they just mm-hmm. automatically did, right? I also really like this. Um as an example of how an example that shows how perseverance and um, like keep working towards it pays off in the end. I mean, this, this was an enhancement that was proposed two years ago. Mm. 
and finally got committed as a fix six days ago. Uh, and so it took two years to get this in, even though it's only like a 20-line patch. Um, and, and I think it just goes to show that even if you have an enhancement that seems really straightforward, like if you go back, I would I would encourage anybody to, who's listening to go back and read this ticket, uh, which is 19393. We'll put it in the show notes. Read this ticket for at image size because it really goes to show how discussions about minor enhancements can go in all sorts of different directions. <laughs> yeah. Because there, yeah. there was a bunch of things that were proposed in this ticket. Like one of the reasons why somebody was originally opposed to it was because they're thinking of completely revamping the UI for how images are edited. And yeah. so maybe this should be done. Uh, but it did get done. And that made me really happy. Yeah. There, there that was a cool. There is a, a lot of... It's a major of... first commit for you. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped that it's in there. And, uh, yeah, we don't have to deal with, like, working around the problem anymore. So it's it's great. Uh, but, yeah, you're right that there's a lot of... There was a lot of voices that got added to this that were trying to bring, like, bring the ticket and and add the, to the scope of it, right? Right. Um, which, which is, like, kind of, like attaching like extra bills onto a bill to get it through congress you know like <laughs> it's like, yep. it's not gonna happen uh, it's better if it just remains slim right and and you know kind of push it through as it is or don't uh and then you know make the start new issues for the other things you know yep so, absolutely yeah so anyway um, anyway it's in other a couple other minor notes on things that are coming in WordPress 3.9 that are kind of cool. Um, number one, the load process for multi-site has gotten improved. Um, so I, I'm not super familiar with this ticket. I've read through it a couple times. Uh, I think it improves the performance of how the load process works in multi-site, which is cool. Um, the, the database class is now going to be using the MySQLi database extension. Oh, really? Um, Jeez, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. The, the ticket on it is, is huge. Um, there's, I believe there's... Hold on. Let me load it up real quick. Tons of voices on it. Here Jeez, we go. That, uh, yeah, that's crazy that I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I, there's a lot of voices on it. Yeah. We actually used to use MySQLi in uh, MyRateDB Pro in the very early versions of it because mm -hmm. um, it supported some stuff that we needed to use. And then we abandoned it for other other ways to do things. Um, but this is good because it it's it's all in the title, right? It's the MySQL Improved Database Extension. That's what the I stands for. Yeah. Uh, so. so that would be cool. Um... Autosave has gotten some improvements via Heartbeat. Uh, I'm not too familiar with what those changes are, but uh, they are supposedly they make a large difference in terms of autosaving the Heartbeat, etc. Uh, there have been some library updates. Primarily, Backbone was updated to 1.1, Underscores was updated to 1.6, and Masonry was updated to Masonry 3. And then it looks like PHP Mailer, TLU Upload, and Tiny MCE all got updated. Mm -hmm. Oh, TinyMCE, that one actually is pretty large for anybody that does anything with TinyMCE because it got updated to version 4.0. Right. Which is yeah. a pretty large update. 
it's well it's even noticeable in the ui it's a little bit nicer i think it seems it is yeah a little slicker uh i don't i'm not sure what kind of difference it makes for anybody who's using tiny mce um there is some discussion in the track ticket for people who are using it um so if you are if you're using tiny mce in your plugins or your themes you might want to go take a look at it i'll put a link to it in the show notes Right. You still have time. We're we're still in beta. <laughs> so, That's right. Yeah. If actually this is a this is a good point where if if you are using it and you have problems either by 4.0 breaking your stuff or having trouble upgrading it to use the new version or whatever, now'd be a great time to jump in on the ticket and put your voice in to, so that the lead devs are aware of it. Yeah, definitely. Because I think 3.9 is scheduled for release in is it April or May? I think it's April. Uh, yeah. There is an official date set. I'm just not sure what it is. Uh, I don't know. The the post says next month, so maybe I don't know. Well, in that case, I would say probably April. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, here we go. Here's an actual April fifteenth is three point nine. There you go. So you have almost exactly one month to to help get things fixed or get your updates in for your plugins. Definitely. Uh, anything else that we want to throw in here about 3.9? Uh, I think, no, I think, that's, think that's most of everything that's in 3.9. I mean, obviously, there's lots of small things. Um, there's a new... A couple, a couple other related functions for the add image size. There's a, a has image size and a remove image size now yeah. as well. Did you um, did you say you have been contributing to this version a bit yourself? Yeah, three point nine is the first time that I've three point nine is not my first commit to WordPress core, but it's the first time that I spent a couple of days actively working on core. Like I spent a couple of afternoons just working on a bunch of tickets, testing patches, committing some patches, etc. And it was really fun. Um, I think it's something that I want to get more into my daily schedule. Not necessarily my daily schedule, but my weekly schedule. I think it would be fun to be able to set aside one day of the week to be like my WordPress core day to just help work on tickets, mm. both for giving back, but also because I think it makes it makes me a better developer and makes me a better plugin developer by being more in tune with what's going on with WordPress core yeah. and by knowing more of how it works. And so, aside from just giving back, it's also contributes to my daily development abilities. Definitely. So, but for 3.9, I think I, I've got a couple of patches that have been committed, and then I've, there was 10 or 20 tickets that I that I worked on either just by leaving a little bit of feedback or uh, testing a patch, things like that. Cool. There's a really kind of fun bug actually that I think is in 3.9. It's a really obscure one, but it's it's a little serious. Um, turns out, like let's say that you have a plugin, you're on a, a WordPress multi-site install. This is this is one of the patches that I worked on, so that's how I learned about it. Um, let's say you have a WordPress multi-site install, and you activate a plugin on one site of that network, and then later on you decide, let's go network activate the plugin. Yeah. Um, it we've, turns out we've been running into this. With my oh, have you? Yeah. Maybe I. Hold on. Maybe I should find you the ticket number then. Uh, yeah. So if you network activate it, I think it's the right way. Turns out that 
in in some specific sequence, it is absolutely impossible to then deactivate the plugin after that oh. because it completely disappears. Right. Yeah. From from the subsites, yeah. and so I think uh, there is a patch and it works, and I think it's going into three point nine. Okay. Cool. Now that, that what, a, I don't think that's quite what we were running into, but it's okay. Very. What, what did you run into? I it wasn't a bug in core; it was a bug in our plugin. <laughs> I think. Oh, it, okay. I think it was. I think it would. The problem was that it was showing up in the subsites activation list when it shouldn't have been. It should only only ever show up at the network level. So, I think that was fixed in the latest release that went out this week. So, it's done. Well, that's good. Should we uh, wrap things up? Yeah, I think we're yeah. about at that time. Yeah. Uh, I just want to mention uh, that uh, if you do subscribe to our podcast on through iTunes, it would be awesome if you could uh, leave a, a review on uh, in iTunes for us. Uh, we're currently we currently have goose egg re- reviews right now. <laughs> Zero. Tell you what, anybody who leaves a review on a podcast, I will go leave a review on your plugin and I will test it. Wow. And leave a review so related. So huge. Go for it. <laughs> nice. Um also Miami's coming up. Yes. And I Miami. believe you are speaking at Miami, right? I am. I was just recently accepted uh to speak in a couple months and in Fantastic. Miami. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. And you'll be there. Miami's, I will be there, as will a whole bunch of other people. I think Miami is definitely one of my favorite WordCamps. Yeah. Um, and it'll be fun this year. So if you're in the Miami area or not in the Miami area and you want to travel, it's a good one to travel for. Yeah. And you're, you're speaking too, right? Yeah. I'll be speaking on uh, playing nicely with other plugins. Oh, nice. I'll it's be speaking. The, I think the title of my talk. I'll be speaking on... Oh, that, that's a good talk. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'll be speaking on deployment. So how to, how to avoid ending up with two databases that are very different and then having to merge them together, which is a horrible situation. And just how to avoid that and techniques to, to avoid that. So, yeah. Awesome. Looking forward uh, to sharing. I'll be there. Cool. Well, uh, all right. I guess that's it for today. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you in two weeks.